Today we learn Iraq is actually the funniest country on the planet. I did not know the stereotype existed, but it's true. And then we travel to China to take a look at an urban legend of a village that went missing overnight. Well, it would be an urban legend if it hadn't happened twice. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really, really mean that. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, riding in on the back of a purple polar bear. It's Jeffrey Lavender. Everyone give a round of applause to Jeffrey Lavender and his purple polar bear. Jeffrey, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you you don't have an awesome steed like a purple polar bear, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Jeffrey, once you've tamed your mighty, mighty steed and you have giant bow legs, how do you even even wrap your legs around? You're doing the side saddle on the polar bear. It doesn't look as awesome if you're riding its side saddle. Jeffrey, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dirigible. Everyone get on board. He's going to take us out to Iraq. Dead Rabbit Dirigible is flying through the blue skies of the world. (laughs) The skies belong to everybody. We're headed out to Iraq. It's funny, this first story I was planning on covering on Monday's episode, and I forgot. And it totally sucks I forgot. I don't remember what the first story was for Monday's episode. I'm assuming it was good, but I forgot to do this one. And had I recorded this for Monday's episode, we would not be in a certain situation. Let me go ahead and go over the story real quick. It's actually a fairly short one. I do think it's quite hilarious. I'm a huge fan. Here's something. Here's a little bit of Jason Carpenter trivia. I'm a huge fan of prank shows. I'll watch prank YouTube channels, but they got to be real. I love pranks. I love pranking people, and I love watching other people be pranked. I don't, I don't like being pranked. Nobody does. So recently, I've been just binge-watching Impractical Jokers. I never really watched that show. I watched a couple episodes two summers ago when I went down for my cousin's funeral. That was dope. Not the funeral part, but the uh, Impractical Jokers. I'm not going to edit that joke out because he would like that, Chris. I know you're up there. I know you're still listening and laughing. I'm also a huge fan of Scare Tactics. Scare Tactics is a show on Netflix. Originally started off on Sci-Fi Channel. They do pranks, but they're all paranormal pranks. And you're like, how do you paranormally prank someone? They have people dress up like Bigfoot. They have these giant lighting rigs to make it look like UFOs are going to abduct you. It's hilarious. These people believe that they're about to die at any given moment. It's so funny. They trick a guy into going into a warehouse to get like some concert tickets that his buddy left in there. I left my uh, tickets on that crate at work. Can you go pick them up? He goes in there and the building goes into lockdown and they tell him he's been exposed to like radioactive material and he's screaming and crying. It's so funny. It's on Netflix. I recommend watching Scare Tactics. There's a new version of it called Prank Encounters takes too long to get to the i want to see people get scared i don't want to hear the backstory of the haunted house just get to the point where the the goblin where you hire a little person to pretend they're a goblin and chase somebody around that's what i'm there for prank encounters takes too long but i love prank shows so over the weekend i found out about an iraqi prank show that puts all of those other prank shows to shame to shame scare tactics Television executives in Iraq have said, okay, people are always paying attention to ISIS, and they love comedy. How can we, combine, how can we take a terrorist group, 
and combine them with the love of laughter. What has happened in Iraq? Super controversial television show. I imagine this show has huge ratings, but it's called Taneb Rizlan. And here's the concept. You get a high-profile celebrity. They got this... I didn't know any of these people, but they had one of them. There was a woman named Nesma. 58-year-old woman, by the way. That's not old, but it's too old to, to go through this. They also had a soccer star. Those are the two people they mentioned in all the articles. So I don't know if only two episodes have been released, but what they do is they take a celebrity and they say, hey, would you like to do charity work? There's a family that was displaced by ISIS. They're being chased by ISIS. They're trying to find a new home. Would you like to go out and meet them? Who doesn't want to do charity work? So sure, while you're there meeting with this family, ISIS shows up. They're all actors, you hope, right? Now that I think about it, this would be the perfect opportunity for ISIS to actually show up. You have a bunch of people dressed up as ISIS soldiers show up, firing guns, surrounding the house. Real bullets, by the way. These are not blanks. Firing AK-47s all over the house. They go in. They grab the celebrity. That would be the perfect time to just go, you've been pranked. You've been pranked as they're just urinating themselves. But see, that's what I would do. That's what scare tactics would do. Iraq takes it one step further. They then put a suicide vest on the celebrity, on this person who previously was sitting at home, reading a magazine, got a phone call, would you like to do some charity work? Now they're having a suicide bomb vest put on them. And I watched the episode with Nesma in it, and she's sobbing, she's screaming, she's wailing. It's heart-wrenching. She thinks she's about to die. That's gold. That's solid gold television right there. They blindfold her, she passes out, and then the heroes show up. She passed out at just the most exciting moment. There is a paramilitary force that has been fighting ISIS, very successfully by the way, called Hashed al-Shahabi. And they begin a raging gun battle outside. So now there's just a cacophony of gunfire. Nesma's still blindfolded, she's passed out, but the Hashed forces their way into the house, raging gun battle still continuing outside. They grab Nesma. They grab this 58 <laughs> they grab this 58-year-old woman off the ground, still blindfolded, drag her outside, gunfire all around her. She passes out again. Then they take the blindfold off and there's a bunch of people just clapping. Surprise, you're on a prank show. And she's sobbing and she's crying. This is huge in Iraq, and a lot of people are complaining about it. They say it's super brutal, and it is. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny, right? Now, here's the thing. You may disagree with me on whether or not it's funny. You may have already <laughs> unsubscribed to the podcast. But here's the thing. I watched this episode over the weekend. I couldn't understand a word they were saying, but trust me, comedy is universal. <laughs> a man stepping on a rake... In Antarctica, is just as funny as him doing it in downtown Detroit. It's funny. It doesn't matter what language you speak. I'm watching this episode, and I wanted to sound clip. You're like, Jason, you bastard. You're such a horrible person. I can't believe this is who I've been listening to this whole time. I wanted to sound clip the, wo the woman wailing. I wanted to play it for you guys. You guys are like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, bro. Jeffrey Lavender is already canceling his Patreon. I was going to sound clip before you. It's gone. It's been purged from the internet. This is lost media in the making. The entire episode was available on YouTube this weekend. And I watched the whole thing. Got a good chuckle. <laughs> Got a good chuckle. Nesma, I'll check out one of your movies sometime. I don't know if it'll be as funny as this. It's gone. 
I went to go back and I started thinking, I go, I probably won't sound clip it. One, copyright. Two, <laughs> two the audience wouldn't want to hear just a woman going, for, you know, a good 30, 45 seconds. I went to go look for it. It's gone. And then I started to panic. If I had downloaded, I legally, if I <laughs> legally downloaded this on the weekend, there would at least be one copy of it. Now, I'm assuming there's copies of it somewhere. That's your mission, ladies and gentlemen. Find a copy of Teneb Rizlan. This is true lost media. This is so shocking. This video is so shocking and so torturous to the human mind that it will, if, if, if this video goes lost, it will end up on a lost media iceberg very, very shortly. People will go, there's no way a show like that actually existed. There's no way in Iraq they made a prank show. It sounds absurd. But I watched it. I know people are going to be like, Dead Rev Radio host Jason Garbender says he watched it, but nobody else did. We think he imagined it. If you look at the articles, there's screenshots from it. You see the host of the show riding a tricycle shooting an AK-47. He was trying to be funny. But dude, you can't add funny on top of funny. The show itself is funny enough. Lost media like that. So let's see if we can find a copy of Teneb Rizlan. I'll keep looking for it. You guys are like, Jason, please don't. Please don't. Out of all the stuff you've covered on this show, please do not make this your mission. You want to find a video. You want to find a video about an Iraqi game show, prank show, where they're torturing people psychologically. Lost media. This will end up on a lost media iceberg if it is not found. And I did not do my due diligence. If I had covered this on Monday and I had sampled that, I would have at least had the video on my hard drive. So I apologize to you. I have now become part of the problem myself so jeffrey let's go ahead and leave i'm still i'm still Iraq laughing i'm pointing or back and forth in the dirt they're like uh we need to go real isis is showing up the show the shoot is over jason let's go let's go jeffrey call in that carpenter copter we're gonna leave behind iraq we are headed out to china i want to take this moment to do a really quick dead rabbit recommends it's not something I normally recommend. It's a comic book. It's a webcomic, to be specific. I actually have gone back and forth about doing a episode on it. And I don't know if I'm going to. And if I do, it's not going to be anytime soon. So I want you guys... I don't know if you guys are into webcomics. I don't know if you guys are into comic books or the written word. I don't know. There's this webcomic. I am engrossed by it. It's not finished yet, either. It's finished enough that you can get an enjoyment out of it, but he's still working on the conclusion. It's called Joe vs. Elon School. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It is the supposedly true story. I verified a little bit of it. I verified that the institution existed. It's about a young man who went to this institution called Elon School. It was like this uh, tough love camp. Like if your kids misbehave and send them to Elon School... We'll fix them up straight. Elon School is a real institution. I can't really vouch for the things that he's saying about it. It's one of the best comic books I've ever read. And I am i don't really talk about my comic book love on this show because it's not a comic book podcast, but I've been reading comic books for decades and decades and decades. And I love the art form. I love the format of comic books. This is one of the best I've ever read. And if it is a true story, it's ama it's flat-out amazing. If it's not a true story, it's still a really, really well-crafted narrative. But it's the story of this guy who ends up, again, legally, I don't know if his allegations are true, but he gets caught trying to sell some weed with his two buddies in high school. And he ends up, he's like 16 years old, he goes to Elon's school, and it involves some of the most brutal mental and physical torture 
that you can imagine a 16-year-old going through. And he's in there with 12-year-olds, and they're going through it in the same. And he's in there with people in their 20s, and they're going through it in the same. It's brilliant. It's a really good comic book. It's called Joe vs. Elon School. Really check it out. I actually sat down the other day, and I told Sabine the story. And she's like, please stop. I can't handle anymore. It's good. <laughs> Why are you torturing your friends, too? It's just a great narrative, and it's a great story. Dead Rabbit recommends Joe vs. Elon School. I may do an episode on it, but it would have to be a two-parter. It's such a complex story. I can't recommend it enough. I can't recommend it enough. And like I said, it's unfinished. He has maybe like two or three chapters left. But there's full narratives. Now we're just trying to see... We know he is alive because he's writing this, but really, really check out if you're a fan of Dead Rabbit Radio and some of the stuff we cover, like cults and just weird psychological things, check out Joe vs. Elon School. It's in the show notes. But again, legally, I don't know if these allegations are true or if the story's true. Whether or not it's true, it's still fascinating. Jeffrey Lavender has navigated this carpenter copter all the way to China. Specifically, we are headed to the Shinoxi region. The year is 1987. I first stumbled across the story when I was going through the Fordian map. Now, I'll put it in the show notes. We've talked about it a lot on the show. It's similar to the iceberg. It's just a lot of unique, very obscure occurrences or events or people. And sometimes the stuff is easy to verify. Sometimes it's not just like the iceberg. Sometimes the information is halfway correct. But it's a great jumping off point. It's a really good jumping off point for investigating stuff. So I found it on 40 and Iceberg, started looking around, and I would see breadcrumbs. I'd see a deleted Reddit post that would link me to a YouTube video that was blocked due to copyright. It says this video no longer exists. Lead me to web pages that had 404 errors. Led me to web pages that were just blank. It was just nothing. So it's really weird that you could find traces of this, but nothing concrete. But let me tell you what the story is listed on the 40 and map. 1987, there's the Shinoxi region in China. There's a little village with a population of about a thousand people. We're going to land, we're going to walk amongst the population of this village, just hanging out. But the night we get there, really, really bad timing, right? The night we get there, I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you a, a imaginary dollar if you knew what that sound effect was. We're all sleeping. We're all sleeping in one giant bed. That's not us. That's not us making the noise in the bed. A snake slithers into the room. Sounds less like a snake each time I do it. Hiss. There we go. That was simple. Snake slithers into the bedroom. We're all scared. The polar bear is is up on the dresser. Doesn't want to get bit. Then more snakes. Then even more snakes. A multitude of snakes are infesting the room. We push our way out, kicking snakes. We jump out the window. We're running through the streets, and then we realize the entire town is infested with slimy, slithery snakes. Hiss. A couple days after that. I mean, you imagine that would just be the end of the town, right? Snakes everywhere. But no, people stick around. They're just like, oh, it's Snake Saturday. A couple nights after that. We're walking through the streets of this village. We all look up. There's bright lights in the sky. (laughs) Purple flashes across black clouds that hang in a blue sky. (laughs) Both of these events get a lot of media attention. 
And then, like the media is wont to do, once people are done paying attention to it, they move on to something else. And that's when other villages in the region started to notice something. After the media attention died down, they started to see military vehicles head towards that village. First, troop transports. They began setting up barricades along the roadside. Then more troops to secure the area. Then the tanks rolled into the village. And finally, a battery of missile launchers also arrived. And then, nothing. One day the soldiers all left, and the village was empty. 1,000 people disappeared, and their livestock. Their cows, their goats, their chickens, and one, one polar bear, all missing. According to leaked documents, this was known as the Night Cat Incident. So I came across that on the Fortean map, and I go, fascinating, fascinating story. But we've covered missing towns before. You know, I'm not saying if all of a sudden, I'm not saying if all of a sudden Beverly Hills disappeared. I'm like, boring. But you know what I mean? Like, we've covered these mysterious missing towns before. You can only cover them so many times. So I, that's why I put it in my maybe folder. That's why I kind of stuck it in my bookmarks, and I thought, I, this sounds interesting, but... Is it Dead Rabbit Radio interesting? It's a internet rumor. But I definitely put it in my bookmarks. I figured I'd come back to it at some point. I was digging around more today. And I found this Reddit post that is deleted. It's from 10 years ago. We don't know what the original post said. But the headline is saying there's a village that went missing in China. Just disappeared. And so you're digging through the comments and they're responding to something that we don't know what the source is other than the fact that it refers to a Chinese village that disappeared. One of the comments is from a user named Yu Thomas and they translated an article from a Chinese newspaper saying, this is an internet rumor. This is an internet rumor that's really, really popular on Chinese microblogging sites. This never happened. Local governments are all confirming this never happened. You go, okay, Jason, Chinese government, maybe they're not being super forward. They weren't rolling tanks and missile launchers into this area. They would have a compelling interest to keep it covered up. Reddit user Seemeister translated a comment from this same news article. And Seemeister go to, to, this actually gives it a little more clarity. The commenter says, guys, the village did disappear. We can't say that the village didn't disappear, but it disappeared due to a landslide. And there were soldiers in the area. There were soldiers in the area back when people were saying the city disappeared. But they were there to help people out of the rubble. And they said a lot of buildings got destroyed. A lot of people got hurt. And they actually told the journalists, shame on you for even spreading this stupid rumor about amazing events. Real people got hurt. When I googled Shinaxi landslide, several deadly landslides have happened in just the last few years. There's a lot of mining in the area. It's not super safe. People are constantly dying. So that actually does wash. But we have this Fortean map. They don't cite their sources. We have this deleted Reddit post. I dug a little bit deeper. There's a website called China Unsolved. They cover bizarre phenomenon happening in China. There's an article written by Robert Foyle Hunwick. He covered it. And it matched the Fortean map story. And I'm pretty sure that's probably where the author of the Fortean map got his story. He talks about the snakes. 
talks about the lights in the sky, talks about this village vanishing, all of this stuff. It's interesting because as it's talking about it, this this section of this website called SupChina, China Unsolved, they're talking about it, and they keep using terms like sketchy sources, urban legend. They say that one of the main sources of the story comes from a novel. And then at the very ending, they list it as unproven. Which is an interesting conclusion when you can say that all these other sources are super sketch. Doesn't seem right at all. There's no proof of it. But it says unproven. Why? Because in this article written by Robert Foyle Hunwick, it mentions something known as the Long March 3 catastrophe. Jeffrey, let's hop in that carbon copter one last time for this episode. We are leaving behind Shinaxi. We are headed out to the Chai Chang Satellite Launch Center in Chai Chang. It's February 15th, 1996, and that is when they are going to launch Intelsat 708. It's a telecommunication satellite, and it's attached to a Long March 3 rocket. The rocket lifts off and almost immediately veers off course. I mean, there's photos of this thing. It's, I mean, it's like barely off the ground and starts to veer off course, and it smashes into Maylin Village. Massive explosion, but luckily, luckily, only six dead. 57 injured, but that's pretty low numbers for such a massive explosion. But non-official numbers, witnesses that were there, Americans who were working on the telecommunications satellite, journalists, they believe that the six dead and the 57 injured were military casualties. Officials being hurt. Their estimates run to 500 civilians killed by this explosion. As reporters were being ushered away from the failed launch site, they were seeing that buildings in that village had been completely flattened. There were sightings of dozens of ambulances in the area. Not there to help the living, but to cart away the dead. They were packed full of corpses. And when they ran out of ambulances, they brought in flatbed trucks. Anatoly Zak wrote an article for Air and Space magazine about the disaster. And it profiles a man named Bruce Campbell. Not, not who you're thinking. He didn't have a chainsaw hand. Bruce Campbell was there. He helped work on technology for the satellite. He was working for an American company. He was out there. And it profiles his story involving this disaster. And this is how the article ends. Quote, He discovered that the village that used to border the launch center has disappeared. As if it had never existed. There is no memorial to the victims, and their fate has never been mentioned in the state-controlled Chinese press. Unquote. A village disappeared overnight in front of witnesses, gone, erased from the map. I find this story fascinating because before I knew about the Long March 3 catastrophe, I thought it was an internet legend. I thought it was a story that was going around. It may have happened, but who knows? It was back in 1987. It could just be something that's being passed around. When I saw that article from that Chinese newspaper saying that's what it was, I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I suspected. And I've covered tons of these stories about these forbidden places, these places that used to be something or disappeared. 
But then I find out that the Chinese government did it. They did do it in 1996. So could they have done it in 1987? Fascinating story. Fascinating story. And we don't know the answers. We'll never know the answers. Was Operation Nightcat real? There's so many layers to it because you got to wonder, one, did the town disappear? That's question number one. And then the other question is why? The lights in the sky and the snakes may be new details added to it, but we'll, we don't know. All the witnesses are gone. But even if you take away the paranormal stuff, even if you take away the snakes and the black clouds and the purple lights, you're left with a thousand people disappearing, gone. Not even their neighbors in other villages know where they're at. That's chilling. We live in a world where most of our information is digital, and two days after watching a hilarious YouTube video, it's scrubbed from the internet and may never be seen again. At any time, anybody or anything, any idea, can simply be disappeared. And that's a terrifying thought. It's one thing to go missing. It's another thing for no one to even know that they should be looking for you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>